My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to more to it, the show that takes a deep dive into the biggest stories in sports, entertainment, and culture. Start with headline news and then journey into deeper conversations. Always finding those life lessons that are presented in every single story. I'm your host, Marcel Swally. That dude, what it do, baby? I'm back at the crib. Oh, I put $5 on it and I got me a nice studio set up again. Oh, my goodness. Oh, y'all don't understand where I've been. Yes, y'all do, actually. I went to New York and saw my daughter. Oh, our hearts are full because sometimes you just got to do something. Show a stroke, a measurement of your love. You know, you got to go out there and just project that and then actually do it in action so they can feel the love, right? My daughter knows I love her to the fullest, but damn it, if I ain't get on that airplane and go to New York City, she was gonna feel a different way about her father. So I did that, felt good about it. Love it, love it, love it. So yesterday I flew home from New York City, um, JetBlue Mint, <laughs> Mosaic, <laughs> whatever the hell that means. Basically, if you ever get on JetBlue in the front, those little pods, those little Jetson pods, I like those. Um, they're a little narrow for me or I'm a little fat for them. I don't know. We, we're in negotiation right now. But um, on the way there, I had a, the double one. And I don't like the double ones because you laying down and somebody right there laying next to you. And depends on who you're next to, I guess. But um, I'm never next to anybody I want to lay next to. So I'm like, dog, what, you, what the hell is this? And, you know, you got your own little pod. You got your big TV, direct TV, all that, blah, blah, blah. But this time on the way back, had that single row because you know they go double, single, double, single. And I got a single one. Oh, I was out there. I was an asshole. Like the flight attendant kept asking me for questions. And you want something to eat? You want some peanuts? I was like, no. I want one word answered. I was no. I was chilling. No kids, no wife. Had my own pod. I was in the zone. Loved it. Loved it. But on the way to the airport, let me tell you this. I'm going to my gate, right? And... You know that this show is on Brinks TV. It's on all social medias, all my social medias, and it's on Reach TV. And I, I get it. A lot of y'all are like, what's Reach TV? Well, Reach TV has over 2,500 airports. So basically, all the airports in America, you're going to see Reach TV, right? And all the screens, you'll see them there. Then, also, 
They have hotels. So you ever go in the hotel? A lot of times y'all see Mario Lopez and so you turn on your TV like, the hell Mario Lopez doing? Well, Reese TV is, is that as well. It's a program television network. So y'all not hip to it, but it's big time. So I'm going to my gate yesterday before I get on and get in my single pod. Guess who I see? At the sports bars, I'm looking, and this other family was staring at me. Oh, not just the daddy. The family was staring at me as I was about to walk in there, and I look up, and it was your boy on television. Like, this is during the NCAA tournament, so screens was tournament, 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 me. Nobody else, no other shows, no other networks like this doing what I'm doing. So just letting you guys know that you are supporting something that's really big. And it's happening right now in real time. That was fun. I filmed myself like, oh my God, I'm here. And then they were looking at me like, yeah, you're here and you're there. What is going on? It was a weird moment. All that said, got home, saw the kids. Uh, I filmed MJ. He was first. And I filmed him. He was playing video games. And this is exactly what he did. He was like, dad. He whispered dad and kept playing. (laughs) He was excited to see me, but he was like, I can't get out, man. This is my third man. This is my last one. So... I filmed that, then I was like, you know what? Stop filming it. Go see Araya, go see Olivia, and enjoy the moment, be in the moment, and actually grab them instead of let them just continue on their merry way. That was great. Um, My last thing on my plate right now is a little less on my plate. I am eating right now. Yes, it's time to eat right. I got a vacation, spring break coming up with the kids. I'm gonna be poolside. My wife got a six pack already. I got a keg, so it's time to meet her somewhere in the middle. So I'm gonna drop 20, 30 pounds in the next two weeks. So don't think I'm cracked out when y'all see me disappear up on here. By not this Friday, the next Friday, I'm gonna be pookie up here looking like that. But I gotta do it. Eat protein, eat some greens, a little keto light. And only one drink at night instead of 20, I'll be all right. So things is going to go well. All right, let's get into the show. All right, Dylan Brooks, y'all know who he is, the real deal, as he likes to say. Uh, Him and Clay Thompson went at it. It was hilarious. They had some quotes. Let me read a couple of these to you. Uh, Clay Thompson says, when he retires, I don't think anyone will ever talk about Dylan Brooks again. And Dylan Brooks was clowning him, talking about, hey, dog, um, seems like I got some real estate up there in the Bay Area because I'm all in y'all heads. He was clowning, though, this game. He hit a three-pointer and mean mug Clay Thompson. Like, like Bishop did Q and Juice. Like, looking at him like, fool, I kill yo. Like, he was looking at him like that. Clay Thompson laughing. Clay Thompson's on the bench hitting him with the Kobe Bryant. Y'all know what the Kobe Bryant on the bench is. The whole, how many rings they got? Well, Clay didn't have a thumb, so he just did four, but he did. He hit him with the, the four, right? And then Dylan's <laughs> like, all right, whatever. It's about this year that I'm old-ass ring. So it's just funny when you see these guys go at it. I love this for the NBA. I love when you see this type of energy. This type of energy gives a storyline. It shows that they really care, that they really got passion. And that's how we play sports, right? When we show up at the YMCA with the headband on and the chucks tied extra tight, ain't nobody going up there just to go sing in the choir. We going up there to try and woof on somebody because none of us is as good as we want to be. So we all going to take our frustrations out on the other team. Hey, man, what's up? Dog, that was a foul. Are you going to clown your boy on your team? <laughs> I love watching pickup games. I'm horrible in basketball, so if you draft me first, you just wasted all your salary cap. Your whole cap space is wrecked because I suck. I fit the stereotype. I'm big. I'm black. I've got muscles a little bit sometimes, and I know I look like I could ball out of control. I suck. I'm not even bad. I'm horrible. 
But I love the woofing that goes on because that brings the energy to the game. Well, we love to see the players that can actually play woof as well, right? And so Dylan Brooks, wherever he is, you know there's going to be a wolf out there trying to get at somebody else. This was just Clay Thompson's turn. We already seen him go at it with Draymond a thousand times. Draymond's like, look, I'm the OG in this woofing, so don't you even try to take my title. But Dylan's like, I'm going to fake it until I make it. I'm going to talk that trash all the way up the mountain of success. John Morant's coming back. Dylan Brooks is there giving them that emotional energy they need. All of those things are the ingredients to success. It's going to be interesting to see what they cook up this year because the West is wide open. Even as a Clippers fan, everybody always asks me, and I got that same old mailed-in line, oh, we're playing with our lineups. We're trying to figure this thing out. But in reality, I'm a little shook behind the veil as well. What the hell is going on in Clip City? So while the West is wide open, Dylan Brooks, Keep your mouth wide open. Keep woofing. About to talk about the homie Charles Barkley. Oh, man, Chuck. What the Chuck are you talking about? <laughs> uh, that's at least what Kenny Smith had to say about him. The Jet was looking at him crazy. As you guys know, they covered the tournament on CBS. and uh, I love watching it because I've been there before when all of a sudden they want you to do the grand event. You're used to just doing the NBA, right? And that's your zone. And you know everything about it. Upside down, upside down, upside down. Then they flip you upside down and say, oh, we want you to do the college tournament. You're like, how many teams? 64. Oh, man, that's all right. I'm sorry, 68. (laughs) They moved up to 68 now, right? And you're like, what the hell? And it's so funny to watch Charles Barkley over the years get better. But boy... Who knows what was going on at Farley Dickinson, right? Like, what the hell Charles Barkley going to talk about Farley Dickinson? So it always goes this way. All right, so Gumbel starts off, and he's talking. Then he passes to Clark Kellogg, who knows everything, right? And then he goes to Kenny the Jet Smith because Kenny is real technical with his because he wasn't a superstar like Chuck. So obviously he kind of gets into it, into the mental game a little more, and he just knows how to play it all, plus he coaches, etc. Then they finally passed the ball to Chuck. <laughs> Every time they used to pass the ball to Chuck, he had a story. Like, they talking about, they talking about Farley Dickinson and Florida Atlantic, whoever the hell, like some random teams. And Chuck, like, just going to talk about his life or talk about his story. Oh, ooh, it was a good game, right? And you can just see through it like, Chuck, you ain't prepared for this moment. But now he's a lot better. But every now and then he goes back to his old ways. And so Chuck was telling a story about when his team, because he said, I'm so old. I was in the league when we used to fly commercial. And I was like, all right, interesting. And I couldn't imagine flying commercial. Like you literally walking in the airport and you're sitting there at gate 36B. And you imagine that and you're just sitting there like, oh, oh, there go Charles Barkley. Oh, matter of fact, they go to whole 76ers team and they just sitting there waiting for the flight like you. Flight delay, they waiting for you, like you. It's crazy. So that's how it used to be in the NBA, he said. But that wasn't even the craziest part. So they get on the plane with you guys and they say, excuse me, excuse me. I got the middle seat. I'm Charles Barkley. And you sitting next to Charles Barkley on the commercial plane. I don't know how they did it back then, but they used to do it. This dude went even further with the story. He was saying how... 
because it was just low economics back in those days, commercial flights, etc., that they used to leave the game and shower in their uniforms. I will say it again. Game over. Walk in there. Reporters are trying to get in there. Not yet. Not yet. We got to shower first. Um, leave your uniform on and then shower with your uniform on soap included on the uniform because that's how your uniforms got washed and then from there go into the locker room hang up your wet uniform so it can start the process of drying before you got to get on that commercial flight again if it's a road game right because they didn't have the laundry system like we have now like now you fast forward I mean golly you could have on a wristband, wristband and sneeze at you, right? Somebody going to run up to you and take your wristband off and replace it with another one and start washing that one right there on the spot. It's crazy. Like it's a whole different animal right now. But he said when he played shoot, whatever you wore. And I've heard these war stories before in football. Like they had two a day practices. Your first practice. Oh, you go out there and you know, you're sweating, you bloody, whatever it may be. Put that thing up. Hang it up. You got a few hours before the next practice. Oh, by the way, P.S. You wearing that uniform too in that second practice. I was like, golly. That's when they had second jobs and you know, there was no off season because you was working at UPS as well. So Charles Barkley telling this story and Kenny the Jet looking at him like, you lying. Like he was just like, dog, I get it. We, we got to find ways to fill this segment out because we all don't know everything about Princeton. But, um, Dog, you lying right now. And Chuck kept pushing back like, no, I'm not lying. And it's interesting because obviously Chuck is older than Kenny. So I'm like, maybe Chuck did catch a little of that old era, like the old school OG Brickland era where, damn it, you imagine that you had to actually shower with your uni on. So that means the dirt from the uni is going on you, but you cleaning the uni. So when you get out the shower, did you really shower? Took me back to a few stories. I got to tell y'all. I got to share with y'all. So we used to, every team I was on, there was always one or two dudes. Uh, kind of like Tommy and Martin. You were just like, what does he do? Where, where does he work? Where does he get his money? Well, we were always like, are these guys really showering? They were kind of like our Tommies. We couldn't figure out, were they showering? Because every time you come in for practice, they will be walking out already dressed, going to their car. And I'm like, nah, dog. You just heard the horn at three o'clock horn, right? You walking in, it's about three Oh four or something. They are coming out, getting in their car. I'm like, ain't no way they finished practice, got dressed, took a shower too in four minutes. So we used to always clown like dog, you ain't showering. You ain't showering. Cats be like, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Y'all out there talking and lollygagging and, and woofing. We out here trying to move, trying to move. And I would never catch them because I could never get in the locker room that fast. But we had a couple on every team that we swear was skipping showers, right? And I used to laugh at that. I used to laugh at the reporters because there were some meat watchers, we used to call them. Like they used to look at your meat. No lie. It was a dude and this young lady. I remember these two in particular. It was this real big fat dude. And he used to always sit there and he used to write. See, I thought he was taking a hell of a lot of notes. He's smart, actually. I've seen this before. So he's writing. He's like listening to you. He's like, yeah, so what happened um, in, the, in the game third quarter? And what he was really doing, if you could catch his sight line. See, he's smart. He's doing his notes like this, but he really gazing through the notes, and he looking behind. 
as somebody walking. And I used to watch, we used to go, we used to sing this song, The Watcher. Remember by Dr. Dre, The Watcher? And he go, Watcher. So when he used to get, he start off with his notes like this. So yeah, did you get that sack? Oh, they gave you credit for it? That was great. Good job. Then after that sack, the momentum changed in the game. And you will notice he's still writing, but them eyes is peeking back there to look at me. And we used to be like, what the hell? So then everybody in the locker room, we didn't want to clown a dude. We didn't know his sexual orientation. It ain't that serious. We were clowning because he just kept trying to sneak it in. And that pad kept getting higher till he looking right through it. <laughs> and we used to go, the watcher, the watcher. And he never caught it because he didn't listen to Dr. Dre. But we knew what we were talking about. That and this young lady, she, she was pretty obvious. She didn't care. Because I, I, I guess she was like, what y'all going to say? Because if y'all say something about me, then I'm going to say something about y'all. <laughs> like, if y'all say that I'm looking at y'all, then I'm going to say that you guys were trying to mess with me or harass me. I don't know what. But we were sitting there in this little stalemate like, yo, she really not tripping. And we weren't tripping either. So a lot of little stories like that, man. And it just took me back to see that. Um, only other one that I, I would tell you guys is, uh, we used to wear all white pants uh, in Buffalo. Let's just say if you ever had to go in that nervous number one or number two right before practice, we all been there, right? The nervous one. Oh, I got to go to the bathroom right before you got to do something. Um, let's just see. Let's just say that the Michelin man, the Michelin tires, the streaks. Uh, I've seen that before on some uniforms. Streaking. Like, guys, you sound like, dog, you need to do a Charles Barkley. Take your nasty ass back in that shower and rinse off with your uniform on. And I can't even lie, y'all. Y'all know I protect the guilty unless it's myself. I've been a victim of that before, too. Let me take you to the opposite end of the world. Because you know in my world, I got to make appointments to see my wife, if you know what I mean. Like, we got our kids already. I guess she like, um... Uh, mission accomplished, <laughs> shut down all operations, right? Every night, nutching, nutching. But um, I guess I'm a little different than Scottie Pippen and Larsa Pippen when they were married because according to Larsa Pippen, and Pippen, 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 said Pippen, 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 she said that they had sex four times a night. And I'm reading this one right. I got that Dame, Dillard, Dame Lillard uh, quote wrong, but this one I got right. Says she had sex four times a night for 23 years while married to Scottie Pippen. What in the Wilt Chamberlain lion ass is she trying to do? And trying what kind of rep does she want, or what kind of rep does she think Scottie Pippen wants? Crazy, right? Okay, so let me unpack this one slowly. Um, Larsa Pippen. Last time I saw her, she fine. Um, let me tell you, I saw her at the ESPYs and I was doing some red carpet interviews and I had heard of her name, obviously, because Scottie Pippen and that was his ex, but she was like a Kardashian homie and friend. So I was like, oh, okay. And um, she walked by. I was like, oh, that's her? I was like, oh, yeah, I can see. I can see. I can see. Now, you go to Wikipedia, it says she's black. But if you look at it, you like, that's a little spicier than the normal black. All right, what is this? So you look it up. Moms is from Lebanon and Pops is from Syria. I don't know what box you check on your camera. There needs to be another box other than other because I ain't never heard it. Like, that's a mix. But when you see her, you can see why dudes get caught up, like just straight up. And that used to crack me up because all my friends, especially my girlfriends, used to say, why y'all always get caught up with the same girls and why y'all date the same girls and how you see that girl come, you know, she about money or she just won't status. Why y'all all mess with her? 
I was like, have you ever seen her? <laughs> like, it's real. It's a real simple answer. Have you ever seen her? And if you've seen her and you had two drinks, it's a wrap. So Larsa Pippen, last time I saw her, it's a wrap if you see her. Okay. So you get past that. And my first thought was like, obviously that Will Chamberlain. I was like, they trying to get a rep or she trying to get a rep at least. Then I was like, oh, Man, Scotty, if this is true, which it can't be true, we can't even go through the math of this, right? Four years, and I know she doesn't mean every, uh, 23 years, I should say, four times a night, she ain't saying that. But she might be saying every time he was home in those 23 years, it was four times a night. So Scotty, one, <laughs> he doing way too much. He doing three months to show baby. It's all about you. I know I've been gone the last three weeks. You know, we had road trip. Then, you know, we had to play in, you know, the Olympics. Or I had to do those autographs or whatever. But, you know, it's all about you, baby. See how much, see how much I got for you? See how much love I got for you? That's one. Oh, that's two. That's three. That's four. I ain't got no more milk, baby. I'm done. Right? Like, I'm like, this is an overt attempt to show that you got love exclusively for her if this is even close to being the truth. Scotty was doing three months to try and show her, you're the only woman in my life. But I think it's also just a mix of the calendar. Like, when you're a superstar like Scotty Pippen was, like, think about it. Michael Jordan was running the world. He had a Robin. Like, Batman was running the world, and the Robin was Scotty Pippen. So Scotty Pippen was running something. He was running a lot of the hemispheres, right? Like, he was doing something if he wasn't running the world like Michael Jordan. So Scotty Pippen had a schedule as well, and I'm certain. Larsa Pippen wasn't going everywhere, but when he returned home, obviously sounds like to her four times a night, which is crazy. So why say this? First of all, I, I, hmm. um, I guess it's okay to say it, right? He's your ex. Some people are like, why say it? He's your ex. It ain't the most scandalous thing. And it's kind of flattering if you're Scottie Pippen just sitting back and catching this shrapnel. You're catching this stray. Oh, guess what the stray is? Um, yeah, you with that beautiful woman you used to be married to? Every night, four times a night, right, for 23 years. Not the worst. I saw Shannon Sharp had a great tweet about it. He was like, that explains Scottie Pippen's back problems. <laughs> no, that's hilarious. And she's going out there, you know, she's got his last name. Some women say that's because of the kids. I don't believe that. I think it's, just, it's based on how famous that last name is. And if it's Pippen, you're keeping it, right? If it's Jordan, you're keeping it. But if it's like Cartwright, <laughs> Purdue, Longley, <laughs> the mother, <laughs> maybe you ain't keeping it the same. Pippen hits, Jordan hits, and some of the mother names don't hit as well. What about Paxson? Was she kept it if it was Paxson? I don't know. But... It's funny because these money dudes always going to have beautiful women with them. That's what I took from this. And in those situations, the dynamics are way different than are advertised. A lot of people don't see it on the outside. But when you see relationships like that, you're like, yep, I get it. Like Scottie Pippen, talking about pick of the litter. Talking about when you walk around, you Scottie Pippen, the deep old voice from the country, testosterone on full. I mean... Whether this is real or not, it certainly makes you lean into thinking maybe she ain't lying. But when I heard Will Chamberlain say it a while back, what it was it, 10,000 women? And now she's saying, okay, for 23 years, golly, four times a night. Fuck, I'm a nerd. I'm sorry, y'all. And, and, and if you're really smart, you know how to do this. 
you grab a calculator. All right, 365 days, right? Times 23. I forgot the leap years, but I, help me out. All right, that's 8,395 days. She said four times a day. 33,580 rocket ships blasting off. Come on, man. Ain't nobody. <laughs> Come on. Y'all need to stop playing. I am getting off this topic because I can't believe I got on this topic. Like Scotty Pippen obviously got on Larson four times a night. <laughs> 33,850. Princeton. Now, I'm going to give you the full history, my full exposure. Obviously, it's one of the ancient eight schools, which we call the Ivy League. Don't ask me right now, all eight of those schools, but let me have some fun. Harvard, Yale, Princeton. I always say that in that order, too, because it seems like those three are a little different. Columbia, Dartmouth, Brown, Penn. Oh, man. It's always one I forget. Godly. Cornell. All right, Cornell. There you go. My best friend went there. I should have known that. All right. So here we go. Princeton's in the Sweet 16. And you know who's not in the Sweet 16? Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky. <laughs> All these schools that are just built, it seems like, at least in terms of the athlete perspective on basketball, right? These guys have totally committed to the game of basketball. They are future professional athletes. And it seems like that they've compromised their academics to some degree. Duke's a great school academically, at least in reputation. So is UNC. Kansas and Kentucky, I hate to say it if y'all go there, but that ain't what y'all rep is. Y'all rep is balling, right? We get it. But I always thought, why do I have to choose, right? Like, why do I have to give up one for the other? Why does seesaw effect? Baller school, uh-oh, academics down here. Great academic school, Ivy League. Oh, man, the game and the ball is down here. So growing up for me, I always wanted to go to a few schools based on colors and reputation. It was the University of Texas because that burnt orange looked sick. And seeing them people hook that horn, I was like, oh, I'm all in. Then it was Syracuse because of their orange. I must love orange, right? And then it was Princeton. And it wasn't because of the orange in their uniforms as well. It was actually because of Carlton. Remember Carlton and the Fresh Prince? He just, like, he just wanted to go to Princeton so bad, and it just seemed so prestigious. Harvard, Yale, of course. But those seemed like the, like the blue bloods of the Ivy League. And the underdog, big dog, seemed like it was Princeton for me. So I always had like this curiosity about Princeton University. Obviously, I went up there and performed and competed against them a couple of times. So I know the campus, not intimately, but I know the area. You know what's interesting about this? Because they're in the Sweet 16 right now. That they have wrecked it, along with Farley Dickerson as well. But really, Princeton started it where there are zero, I mean, donut brackets that survived that Princeton and Farley Dickerson upset. Seriously, of 20 million brackets, they said zero have survived it. That's crazy. But let's get into this conversation because I want to school a couple people, if I can, about Princeton and the Ivy League at large because I really love my Ivy League experience. I'm not going to bore you with that till we have that topic. But as it relates to sports, I always used to tell athletes, and I have one in particular. You guys remember the Black Mamba? And I'm not talking about Kobe Bryant. Talking about the original Black Mamba, DeAnthony Thomas. Yeah, he went to Crenshaw High School. I remember meeting him 
and actually going to a couple of his games. And I remember the first time I met him, uh, I was giving out some shoes and giving out some gear, Big U, um, a neighborhood OG, uh, set it up. So I, I talked to the whole football team and gave them a bunch of equipment, et cetera, right? And I'm like, so who's the black mamba in here? Now, I should have been able to just look, because if you, <laughs> that nickname fits DeAnthony Thomas, if you ever seen him. Oh, man, I'm glad the lights were on. It was hilarious in there. I was like, oh, that's him. And everybody was pointing at him like he was the man amongst little boys, like the man. And I was like, so where are you going to school? He said, I don't know. I was like, you got offers everywhere, right? What's your top five? And he named them. I think it was SC, Oregon stood out. Don't want to misquote them for the other three. I was like, man, how are your grades? And he was like, oh, they good. They all right. Um, <laughs> whenever someone says they good, they all right. I don't think they that good or all right. But I was like, all right, whatever. I ain't going to call you out in front of your boys. So I was like, you ever think about going to Ivy League? And he was like, why would I do that? And I was like, well, you can still go pro from the Ivy League. I said, that's one. If you qualify academically, it's a great school. And I'm, I'm assuming you ain't the richest kid in the world like me. When I was leaving high school, they'll pay for your education academically, basically through grants and loans. And then it'd be this much money you owe the Ivy League, but you got an Ivy League education. I end up having to pay $4,000 a year. I graduated with a $16,000 bill that obviously I paid off once I got my signing bonus. But point being, 16 G's for an Ivy League education? Sign me up. And I was like, plus the networking is amazing. I said, you know me, billionaires went to Ivy League schools? I said, do you know if DeAnthony Thomas, because look what happened to me. I got love. I said, you? The Black Mamba, I am a professional athlete up here looking for you. You went to the Ivy League talking about a big fish in a little pond. You would run circles around them cats and be forever recognized as one of, if not the greatest Ivy League player ever. That comes with dividends, bro. You sure? And he was like, nah, dog. I'm going to go to, you know, big school, big, big school experience. Fine. He invites me to his game that weekend. I go to the game. Friday night, I'm a little late, mad that I'm a little late, parked. And all I remember is hearing the crowd roar. I was like, ah, oh. they're like, DeAnthony Thomas, touchdown. Come in again. I'm, I'm trying to get to my seats. I see this one, but I'm looking through the stands. You know, high school stands. You can see through the wood and the metal, right? I was like, DeAnthony Thomas, touchdown. That's two touchdowns, y'all, since I parked. Then I walk up the stairs. You know, you got to say hi to everybody. What's up, baby? What's up? All right. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, then you sit down. I sit down and I look, finally settled in, kind of like, oh, the Anthony Thomas. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? I was like, oh, that reputation fits this dude. So he obviously went to Oregon and did his thing and went to the NFL. I was like, dang, do people understand that? Football started in the Ivy League. Do y'all know that? Let me give you the date. November 6, 1869, right? My first birthday. <laughs> Let me stop. Uh, the first football game ever between Princeton and Rutgers. And then the Ivy League took off with it. Let's go through this. Here's some fun facts. Top five programs with national titles. Who has the most? Number five and four, tie. We got Michigan sitting there, right? And then who's number three? Michigan, I think Ohio State. Number three, Alabama. Number two, Yale. What'd you say? Yale. <laughs> number one, all time, Princeton. Ain't that crazy? 
Like Ivy League not only started football, but used to run football till I think the 50s, 1950s or so, around that time when they actually got turned to Ivy League and then everything changed. They really put an emphasis in just academics and I think the seesaw was created. Because before that, the Ivy League used to run it. Like, you imagine that? Your granddaddy and them like, oh, what you talking about? All these other programs. What do you mean? Ohio State and them. You stop it. Yale and Princeton are the best. That's what they were said back then. It's crazy. I know that even Columbia, and y'all know our reputation is not the best in college football. We won the Rose Bowl in 1934. Why do I know that? Because they used that to recruit me. Say, hey, we big school. We big time. Well, in 1930, we were at least. So it's funny. I look at this and you look at the ancient eight schools and how they all were created by some of our founding fathers, you know, Benjamin Franklin over there, Penn, et cetera. And you just look at all these schools and their reputation and everyone thinks that their reputation of elitism comes from their academics. Partly. Also, people think it's just because they've been around longer than any other school. Partly. But you know what it also was associated with? Listen to this. The elitism of these schools was really due to their prestige in the realm of sports like basketball. Ain't that crazy? I just think that's hilarious, man, how the world goes round, right? And now we're back here again. What will Princeton do? They've already won a game against who? Arizona. They beat them by five. Arizona, two seed. Beat Missouri, 7C, blew them out. Like, what are y'all doing on the court? And see, Missouri, I knew they were in trouble because you got to out-athlete an Ivy League school. You ain't going to outsmart them, duh. You're not going to out-team them and be this glue. You're going to have to out-athlete them. Like, it got to be McDonald's All-Americans all around, and they got to play disciplined. If that's the case, you're going to run them off the court. But if that's not the case in Missouri, let's just say I, I think there's a little off in terms of their talent level being the same as Arizona. So now you coming right to where the Ivy League wants you. A little less talented and we gonna kill you not only with our talent level matching yours or comparable, but more importantly, that team chemistry, that intelligence and that IQ on the court. So now they gotta play number six, Creighton. Now, it is a higher seed than Missouri, so you gotta put some respect on them. They still in the tournament, but it's Creighton. Like Creighton, Creighton just don't sound like, like Arizona. <laughs> it doesn't sound like Missouri. So if I'm on Princeton's team right now, between studies, because they've been showing videos of the campus, like, oh my God, Princeton's so hype. Not Princeton. <laughs> These cats are still studying. These cats ain't throwing no big frat parties, nothing. It just, every video I've seen is just like, oh, that's great. And it just reminds me of my experience when I was at Columbia, no matter how well we were playing. In my senior year, we ended up eight and two, but we started off six and zero. Oh. And for Columbia in New York City, oh, it was on fire. And even then, the city was on fire. People were excited. You go on campus, hey, Marcellus, like nobody cared. No fanfare, but woo! If Princeton beats Creighton, gets into that Elite Eight, oh, it's gonna get gangster out here. What if Princeton wins it all? What if I'm doing this show for the next couple weeks, still talking about Princeton because they're still in the tournament? You know my Ivy League self is rooting for that. Hopefully, people can understand from this. It's not just about Princeton in the tournament. It's like you don't have to really sacrifice to be a baller. You can have brains and ball 
and hopefully these guys are showing that not only making an impact in the tournament and at the collegiate level, but hopefully one of those guys goes pro just like I did to kind of give the understanding that you don't have to give up one to have the other. You can live the best of both worlds. All right, y'all, y'all know how we finish this show every single time with a Wileyism. Here we go. <clears throat> Clear my throat. Courage is fear that has said its prayers. Courage is fear that has said its prayers. Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. And we're not even talking religified prayers. I'm talking about in tune with yourself. A prayer is a conversation within about your goals and your power, that inner power. Once you get in tune with your inner power and your goals and you can activate that discipline, oh man, you are ready to take on the world, right? So that's what it is. Your courage is the fear because we all got doubt. We all have fear. All of us stop lying if you don't. You do, but you have learned to manage it, right? You have learned to win that negotiation with fear and that's the courage that comes from that prayer. Like, all right, you know, when you see an athlete, they're calming themselves down, right? They're going inside themselves. Relax systems. I know everything is going to relax, right? Level out right now. This moment's important. This moment is the present. This moment is the gift that the present is, right? All this stuff, I swear, goes together. I wish I was smart enough to figure it out and give it to everyone simply. But I got an idea of it. It's like all these religions are like the psychotherapies of all the stuff that we need to actually become our best version, right? That's how I look at it. And then you talk about some of the practices like yoga or just uh, meditation, relaxation. Like it's all just trying to get you to your best spot. And your best spot is somewhere in here that connects to somewhere in here that goes somewhere out there. And that's all we have to do is trying to find our ways, our methods to do that. Some people it is religion. Some people it is just practices. Some people it's just all the above. Some people it's none of that. I just get locked in. Hey, let's go. And they do it. Whatever works for you, whatever floats your boat. But remember, courage is fear that has said its prayers. All right, that's going to do it for more to it. Check the show notes for all the information on our topics today. Today! You want to keep the conversation going? I know you do. Let's talk. Find me on all socials at Marcellus Wiley. That's right. More to it is a production of Dan Patrick Productions, That Dude Entertainment, and Workhouse Media. Show is executive produced by Dan Patrick, Marcellus Wiley. That's me, that dude. Paul Anderson and Nick Panella. Ah, Marcellus Wiley. Thanks for listening. Thanks for those reviews. Keep them coming, man. I read every single one of them reviews. All what I got. 182 of them. (laughs) Something crazy. Um, I love y'all, man. There's more coming from more to it. Talk to you hella soon. Go. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.